Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. I did a quick calculation today as I was preparing for today's show, and we have owned almost 1,000 different animals. Not different kinds, obviously, although it's getting to that point with the addition of camels to our homestead. Uh, but over the years of homesteading, almost a decade of homesteading, we have owned almost 1,000 different animals. Hundreds and hundreds of chickens. We've had about 50 pigs. We raised pigs for meat, so that was something that every year we would get a bunch of different pigs throughout the spring and summer. And then, of course, there was the other fowl. We've had ducks. We've had geese. A whole lot of guineas. Sad to say, every year we'd do a batch of guineas, and then we would lose them, and then we'd get another batch, and then we would lose them. Uh, we did meat animals. We have rabbits. This year we got into rabbits, and that quickly went from, like, two rabbits to 50 rabbits in no time. And all of the animals that we've spent time working with, cows, sheep, goats, they all have their pros and they all have their cons. I have to be fair. There are wonderful things about every kind of livestock. And then there are some things that are not as wonderful. And of all the animals that we've raised on our homestead, there is only one that I have officially banished from ever coming back to the homestead. And yes, that is goats. As of this last year, I finally decided we will never ever do goats again on the homestead. Not that we didn't give them a fair share. We have had about 25 goats over the years, and I have spent time milking at least four or five of our does. We've tried different goat milks. We've tried to do the soap. We've tried all kinds of different things. And I, I'm going to be honest, I love some things about our goats. You will find no more personality in any animal on the homestead, that's for sure. And then, of course, there's goat cheese, which I am a huge fan of goat cheese. I just found that dealing with goats in my everyday life was a little bit too much chaos. And the pros of the goat did not outweigh the cons. And so I decided, you know what, we're not going to do it again. We're done with goats and specifically the dairy goats, which we tried for years to do. Uh, yeah, no more. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have goats on your homestead. Our homesteads are kind of like superhero utility belts. One superhero, picture Batman. Despite being called Batman, he actually can't fly. And so on Batman's 
utility belt, you'll find a grappling hook. Because the only way Batman is going to get to the top of a building is with that grappling hook. Superman doesn't need the grappling hook. He can just fly to the top. Some of us need goats on our homestead. And some of us just don't know when to take a hint and are going to get them anyway. And for those of you out there who just got to have goats in your life, I get it. I understand. There are people like that in the world. And we're going to talk to a couple of them who are crazy goat owners. They got a place crawling with goats. We're talking to Liz and Aaron from Simon Says Farm. And they're going to tell you all the good reasons why you actually might want to bring goats onto your homestead, despite the fact that I have sworn them off. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you? So... I have to say, I was really excited as we were setting up here. This is the first time we've had a live show with livestock in the background. We were getting ready. We were doing our sound check, and uh, Aaron was fixing the, the microphone, and Liz said something that I thought, man, that could be a bumper sticker. Uh, I, I asked, I mentioned something about goat stories, and what did you say, Liz, if you've had goats? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, if you've had, oh, you were talking about... Um oh, I'm sure you've got some good stories. And I said, anybody who's owned a goat for a day has a good story. Where is the craziest place you have ever found one of your goats? Uh, hanging upside down from their jungle gym. <laughs> yeah, by, by the back leg. leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I find um, one of our teenagers, we call them, they're babies from last year. I actually find him in the hay feeder every morning. Yep. <laughs> and he's now a 90 pound buckling. Well, he's a weather. He's a weather, um, yeah. And I find him in the hay feeder every morning. Aptly, his name is Thunder. And boy, does he rumble every morning. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a six foot scratching post. Uh, meant, I think it was meant for cows, right? Big yeah, scratching coat. yeah, horses and cows. And you'll—it's maybe got six inches of area on the top find, of it to sit um, on. We'll find if there's a six by six post, and we'll find a goat on top of that six by six post, which is easily six foot up in the air. Yeah. Anybody who's owned a goat for a day has a good story. That uh, man, when I heard that, I was like, that could be a bumper sticker, a T-shirt. Uh, you guys know, we know from having them, goats bring some chaos into your life. Whatever made you guys get goats in the first place? How'd you get started homesteading? Tell us a little bit about how Simon Says Farm all started. So Simon Says Farms actually started back when we lived in a different town. And it was all because we had just had, um, we're, we're young parents. So I had a three-year-old and a newborn. And we really wanted to get into some fresh eggs and have a source of protein, really, yep. that we would just, you know, it was in the day and age before chickens were really trendy. And so I remember the conversation, he was driving, and I was like, are you sitting down? Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm driving. I'm like, well, I want chickens. And it was like, it's the whole, can you hear me now? Because I couldn't, he didn't say anything. We ended up getting chickens about eight or nine months later after doing all of our research on what breeds we wanted. And we got a starter flock of about 25, couple roos in the mix. And 
a couple years later, after eggs were going, the chickens were doing great. Eggs are really yummy. I'm like, our then, I want to say he was five or six. He was about our five. oldest was five or six. And he was a huge milk drinker. And I'm like, we really, we always joked that Jake needed his own cow to keep up with his milk consumption. And I was like, well, I can't see myself milking a cow, but I sure do love the personality a goat brings to the property. And we weren't zoned for goats. Yeah, we were on less than three acres. So yeah. technically we grew to about 50 chickens illegally. Right. So we were no, like, we were all right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Connecticut, right? We oh man. Like, yeah. Uh, two we point, were illegal two point farmers. Has the statute of limitations passed? Because I don't want you to keep talking in case, you know, we moved. So we actually <laughs> moved to close to 10 acres in order to get yeah. bigger into the, the chicken was the gateway into the whole homesteading. Yeah. And then it came. Okay. So my wife's point, I don't know if we want to jump from chickens to a cow. I couldn't have Let's... illegal goats. And then the town finds <laughs> yeah. out. And now I have to get rid of the goats because that would kill me. No. So we did all that official above board. When we moved, we actually asked those questions before we bought this property and 10 acres and converted it into a homestead or farm. Right. And uh, that's what we did. Yep. Yeah. And I thought that was cool that you guys, you're in Connecticut. We were there. We knew yep. the, the oppressiveness of homesteading in Connecticut. Yeah. And that's we made sure when we were looking for property in Connecticut, it was 10 acres. That was the magic number. Now, every town is different, yep. uh, but a lot of towns, it was yeah. like if you could get 10 acres, you could kind of do what you wanted. And just a, that's a good little side note for anybody watching, want, wanting to do this life is look before you take that leap because you might be finding yourself sadly having to rehome goats because you only have five acres yeah. and you can't possibly own goats on only five acres. You need 10. You guys, obviously, you had your son who was guzzling milk. So did you dive right into dairy goats? What was the first breed you brought onto the home, the farm? So we did a lot of research as to what, what breed we wanted. And initially, I was going to go with the Nigerian dwarf, thinking they're smaller, they're easier to handle. Um, they'll give us, you know, a decent amount of milk. Yep. I read into the breed and decided that wasn't the breed for us for several reasons. And then we decided to settle with um, La Mancha's and Alpines. Um, and then six months later, we brought in Toggenbergs. And that's what we have today, is all three breeds. Why did you guys decide not to go the route of Nigerian Dwarf? Because they're loud. Oh, the Nigerian <laughs> Dwarfs are known. Well, okay, they are loud. All right. They're loud. We saw yeah. one Nigerian Dwarf at a show that we were showing at a few years into our show career i guess and i was like Ooh, we made a good call <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah i was like that goat sounded like the wicked witch of the west it cackled i'm like oh i couldn't do that yeah um but one of the other reasons on a serious note is that they have a much higher percentage of birthing complications and i know birthing is difficult with any animal um so i didn't want to get into a breed that has known issues because they've got big heads and really small hips so they tend to get stuck and have a higher percentage of like C-section needs. And then also you weren't really saving much in the way of graining them and haying them for their milk ratio. So you were putting in almost as much, almost not, I don't know the exact percentage, but it wasn't a big savings in grain and hay to get 
just a small fraction of the amount of milk a full-size dairy goat would give. So I was like, if I'm going to put in all that effort, I want the milk return for the family. Uh, you know, we felt the same way. We made the mistake of getting the, I shouldn't call it a mistake. We had fun with ours. And we actually had a couple that turned out, we had a couple little mutts that were pretty good too. Um, but all in all, looking back, I very rarely, if people are going to do the goat thing, I very rarely suggest they go that route. Uh, unless you have like a particular reason, you just like them, you want a teeny tiny little thing on your property or you just have, but even the space issue, I mean, it's not like, it's not like a, a Toggenberg can't fit in the same amount of space. So it, it really, you got to just want that breed. I feel like they don't really have any right. particular, as a homesteader who wants production, there's no huge benefit. We never really saw them. And man, they were loud. We had one, I sold her. Just to give you an idea, she was a really good quality doe. She had quads one year without even blinking. And I yeah. sold that one so fast because I was like, I cannot listen to that goat anymore. <laughs> she was a screamer. So now you have La Manchas, you have Toggenbergs, which we've never owned Toggenbergs, and then Alpines, you said, right? So all three? Yep. Yeah. Uh, La Manchas for us, we found were a bit of uh, troublemakers. What have you guys found with La Manchas? Tell me a bit about that breed. Okay, thinking of their personality-wise, they're definitely the most crafty. Yeah. There's a reason we have a, a lock on the inside of this door, <laughs> yeah. because they play with the lock and they know how to open it. Every lock in our barn is double locked with carabiners yeah. and something where they cannot mess yeah. with them. You could probably see it right, but well, it would be that yeah. lock right there. Has a yeah, just the, barely, yeah. Yeah, I would say the La Manchas are definitely the uh, the most naughty we've got some that yep. and i really attribute it to the fact that they don't have ears they've got some serious ear envy yeah they go after the other goat's ears they go after one of our our original foundation does sadie she one time got jealous in the show ring and ate the first place goat's ribbon and oh, chewed man. on the judge's shirt I thought you were going to say she ate her ear, so I guess the ribbon's not as no. bad. Oh, as... yeah, no, no. <laughs> but she's got major ear envy, that one. <laughs> uh, what are the pros of the La Mancha? Well, the La Manchas, in our case, um, they, all, they, might be, they might be crafty, but they are super personable. Yeah. I would say they're probably one of our most personable breeds. Ease of milk, just because they're the large dairy goats. And if you get into the right bloodline, they've got great capacity to be good producers. Um, our bloodline of La Manchas are more sleek, but there are different builds. So you get more stocky, muscular ones. Um, and then we call them the supermodel ones that are just longer and leaner. But they, they are, we don't have health problems with them. They're really healthy. And even when it comes to like parasites, I would say yeah, they're the easiest. Our right. La Manchas are pretty parasite strong. They've got a good health um, immune plus, system. Plus, system they look like, like ET, and you know, they, <laughs> and you get a lot of questions. You definitely get a "What'd you do to their ears?" question. Right, like we did not all cut the them off. So they're just almost unique. They're unique in their yeah. look. You either love the look or you don't. Yeah. We are one of our favorite goats and she was so naughty and she was so much trouble. And every video I ever made on YouTube, like my goat escaped was about her, uh, Lido. She was a La Mancha and man, she was, she was a handful, but you do, 
that's the plus side is they they do have personality. I got four sheep out right now, and I could tell you only one of them apart from the rest of them. They're kind of all like just a white blob. But you do get with the, yep. the goats the personality for sure. I've never had alpines. We did have an alpine cross, like a mini alpine cross. Yeah. Never had alpines and never had Toggenbergs. Tell me a little bit about both those breeds. Why did you guys pick those? What are the good things about the alpines and the togs? Yeah. So I went with the alpines um, a lot because I love the amount of color that they come in. Um, so you can get an alpine in all shapes and colors of variations. So really like that. But for production reasons, I found that they're from doing my his my my research. I found that their um, milk is heavier in the butterfat content, and I like that for feeding a growing family of boys. And at the time, we didn't have our little girl yet, um, so I really wanted um, some rich milk and. We didn't know at the time that we were going to get into making things with our milk, but it really turns out in a, a nice bar of soap, a nice bottle of lotion. Um, so I really like the creaminess of the Alpine's milk. And I find that they produce the most amount of milk for a smaller percentage of grain. We have one Alpine that'll almost give us a gallon a day. Yeah, right? our Alpines are all up yeah. in that. Show Charlotte me. gives a gallon a day. Rainy's right up there with yeah. um, close to three quarters of a gallon a day. Um, and and yeah. Moo, Moo, we named her because she looks like a Holstein cow, um, but she produces like a cow too. So yeah. it's pretty, uh, yeah, they're... they're pretty impressive. Yeah, that's that's some pretty good statistics coming out of those alpines. And they're not, when I think about every alpine I ever saw, they're not a very large animal, right? They're all kind no, of... A... And that, that's where I was yeah. going to go with the alpine. They'll produce, but they're only, what, 100 pounds, maybe 110? Well, I would they're... say our La Manchas are probably the smallest breed we have. Yep. And they range between 100 and... 100 and uh, Lucy's pushing 130. But like I said, most of our La Manchas are actually like the supermodel body type. Lucy is the broader muscular body type. So that's why she's pushing more right. in the 130 right. range where the Alpines are more solidly in that 125 to right. 135 range. And then when you get to the Togs, you're pushing 140, oh, 150. Amy's 180 pounds. And 180 on Amy. Yeah. yeah. These were, Kay really wanted to get some Toggenbergs, and we almost found a line that we almost wound up getting, and it never happened. Uh, what is unique and different about this kind of goat? Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I got them for the look, and yep. they're not very common in Connecticut. Yep. So um, they did real well in the show ring. Plus it was a business decision. Because I turn everything into a business decision. Attaboy, yeah. I, like, I like that. I was like, don't get rid of it. At one point, we thought about going to just La Mancha's and, Al and Alpines. And I said, no, yeah. you got people from states away calling us 
for togs because we're one of people travel from maine we're almost one of the biggest tog breeders out this way uh, i mean the, people call us from all over the place yeah i don't from know maine, why vermont yeah. new hampshire up and down because they're looking for purebred togs yeah we do have really good show lines too i think that helps I really wanted to get into them just because I love the look of the brown with the white. They always yeah. look the same. Um, you don't get anything unique or different with them, but I just loved that look. But I would say they're stubborn. Go back to the personality. I mean, you're talking about 160, 180 pounds. They step on your foot. They want to jump off the stand to the left, and you want them to go to the right. You're not going to win. Like you are going to win. They are stubborn. I'll win. <laughs> like even the younger kids, our 11 year old, like he won't take the Toggenberg off the stand. They're he's, big and powerful. He's you know kind of, I don't want to say afraid, but he knows he can't handle it. He's respecting him. Yeah, one of the things in the show ring that um, when you're coaching the kids how to how to show your goat the correct way, the rule is don't ever let go of your goat in the show ring. That goat starts pulling you, you don't let go. You handle your goat, right? You show that you can manage that goat. Well, <laughs> that happened in the Toggenberg class. Yep. And our oldest son was showing one of the big togs. He held onto that collar, and she dragged, she just dragged him, him. <laughs> and he's in show white. Yeah, he's on the ground holding on, and she's, and she's just, just dragging him around the, the ring. Around the <laughs> <ring>. <laughs> he just proud and, and then we're like, that's like yelling boy. from the sidelines. We're like, let go of your goat. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was it was hashtag chaos. <laughs> They're big, big goats. You have to be ready for a yeah. large goat. But I have to say, and I don't know if it's because all of our togs, they're all sisters or mother daughters. They're all related to each other. So I don't know if it's a family line thing, but they're super loyal. Oh yeah. Um, it it might take you a while to win them over because we do dam race, but. They, for some reason, we, we damn raise all of our, all, all of our kids. For some reason, no matter how much time you spend with the baby Toggenbergs, they're always going to be shy until they hit about a year old yep. and something at a year old switches. And now they're yours. Yeah. Um, they don't, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's a family trait, but that's been our experience with Toggenbergs. You know, I've never spoke with somebody who is a homesteader who did shows and not that, I mean, there's people out there doing it for sure. Um, well, I, but it's something that like, I'd love to ask you guys a few questions about what got you into doing shows in the first place and how does it work with homesteading? So we got into shows uh, because we started our kids in 4-H. Yep. It was all really about the kids um, learning the proper ways of handling your animal and making sure that that animal is breed worthy. So we strongly believe that not every animal should be bred just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Right. Um, we breed with purpose and it's not always to just provide for the family. It's to make sure that um, those goats are in line with what the American Dairy Goat Association um, likes to have for their standards of their breeds. So that's why we show. Um, it also helps in finding homes for the babies because people come from all around to find quality animals that they know are going to produce milk. The last thing you want to do is get a goat and put all this hay, all this money, all this grain into this goat, all this time into this goat, 
and have it drop its first set of babies and find out it's giving you two cups of milk a day. Yeah. And that's just not going to be cost effective. So you want to put all that food into your goat and get a return. Um, and that, that's going to come with good genetics and good breeding. So that's why we, yeah. um, that's why we show, I, I, I want the kids to have a sense of responsibility as well. And they are a hundred percent in charge of their animal for the whole weekend while they're at the, at the show. It also became as a, we, we've struggled with the word homesteader or farmer. Yeah. Like we've bounced back and forth because we named the company Simon says farms. We didn't really use the word homesteading or homesteader a lot because we almost at one point or kind of still we bounce around like we didn't feel like we were. We have an right? identity. We have crisis. an identity crisis. Oh, we're no. like, wait a second. We still shop at Walmart. <laughs> um, can I really call myself a homesteader? And we do shows and we drink margaritas. So it was like, we classy. and then actually I found you on YouTube. I found some other homesteaders, you know, doing this YouTube thing. And I'm like, wait a second, you know, not every homesteader looks like I, that cliche. I think we had a preconceived idea right. as to what a homesteader looked like. Right. And I was like, we don't fit that mold. And then you went to a conference I and did. met well, another that was, homesteader. Right. And he goes, yes, you do. He goes, you got to stop you. <laughs> He, he goes, you totally fit. Because there goes, is no, there is it no, could be you, it, it could be me, yeah. it could be the, it's how you're living, not what you look like. But to your point, we're homesteading, but we also did shows. And I think it was more of a, as somebody that homesteads or lives on a farm, you don't take vacations. You really don't go anywhere, right? It's very difficult with all the animals. So when we talked about doing the 4-H, doing the shows, buying a camper, turning it into a family affair, that's kind of why we got into yeah. it. And back to the business side, it's big advertising. Every fair you go to, you're advertising your farm. Oh, you, yeah. know? And, you know, people are stopping by. And especially every fair, we probably picked up a Toggenberg customer because mm -hmm. they couldn't find Togs. We're the only Togs there half the time, you know. So I love, I love what you guys said about that identity crisis. I think a lot of people take that word homesteader. We joke about it a lot on our channel, the uh, ye old timey homesteader. Yep. If yeah. you're if you're a homesteader, you better be growing all your animals and all your animals feed and all your feed and harvesting yeah. from the river your water and no. you know pooping in a bucket. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's <laughs> I just think that's crazy. And off the grid. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we get emails from time to time from um, like different. This sounds like braggy, but it's not because it's like it happens like spammy from producers trying to put together TV shows and they email you as a homestead on YouTube. Like they just send hundreds of these out and they say, hey, yeah. uh, we're making a show about people living off the grid and uh, we want to know if you're interested in being a part of it. And we're like, we're not off the grid just because we call ourselves homesteaders doesn't mean we're like out in the boonies somewhere. Right. We're just growing from our homes. We're just turning our homes from a, a thing of consumption, which is what most people I feel in the modern day, their homes are consumption, right? Their homes eat up their money, eat up their time, eat up their energy. And we're trying to change that and we're trying to produce. And whether that be produce, uh, we talk about it a lot, uh, a, a modern homestead. But even, a, even if you actually look at the homesteaders back in the 1800s where this all started, the homesteading movement, uh, sure, they were growing their own food, but they were all entrepreneurs. We, we read our kids. I don't know if yep. you ever read your kids, the Little House on the Prairie series. Uh, mm -hmm. Pa Ingalls is always trying to make a buck. 
he's always doing something different, trying to make a buck because producing from your land is, is food, it's energy, and it's money. And you guys right now, you're doing a big push. You're changing uh, from just producing animals. You're actually producing a lot of products. Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about some of those products that you're starting to generate from your farm? So that started uh, back in 2013. I had a very large habanero pepper crop. And I like spicy food, but you can only eat so many habanero peppers. And <laughs> before we went live, we talked about the original shirt I was wearing. It was a Gary V shirt. And I'm a big fan. I followed him a lot. And there was that legacy over currency, like create your own story, you know, do what you love to do mm -hmm. kind of mantra. And I was like, you know what? I'm a big food guy. I did like 13 years in the restaurant business. And I was like, let's make a barbecue sauce. So I made a barbecue sauce from scratch, my kid's birthday party, make a long story short. I spent the money to figure out how to take my habanero peppers and turn it into a commercial product that's now sold in about 130 grocery stores between Connecticut and Mass. It's sold on our website. It's made in a commercial kitchen in New Haven. So we don't make it. We don't make it here on the property. We can't. The habaneros but do still the habaneros, come from our garden. The habanero peppers still come from here. So that was like our first step in taking something off the property and not just converting it into our own food, but into food we can provide for others. Right. Um, and that's kind of how that original product started. And then you started with the milk and the lotion. Right. So we got to a point where we couldn't keep up with our consumption of, of milk. There's only so much cheese we could make and consume before it went bad. Our son is great at drinking milk, but yeah. you know, he, we actually have four children now. Um, and even so with Charlotte making a gallon a day, plus the other girls, we just couldn't keep up. Right. So we started freezing it and coming up with ways like, what can we turn it into? And I'm a huge lotion fan. I've always loved like Bed Bath & Beyond or uh, Bath & Body Works. Yeah. Um, their lotions and their fragrances. So um, I read into how to make my own lotion and, and found that goat milk in for your skin is amazing. So I just started making it for myself. We had a, a chick business where we would breed out chicks and every weekend some customers would come to the house pick up their chicks and we would just have a couple bottles um there for the people to test and our friends and family tried and they're like oh my gosh this is amazing then we went live on youtube in our goat barn and our villagers were like well what do you guys what do you guys do like we did the swanky sauce and i was like well i make lotion but not on a big scale and they were really the push for us to go big scale so now we do, um, we've got about 40 different fragrances of lotion. We just branched out into lip balm and now we're branching out into uh, goat milk soap. Yeah. So then it just, that's how the business since 2013. Yeah. Um, and then as the audience grows, the sales grow is really right. what it is. And it's not QVC. It's not like <laughs> we're selling our product every Here's day. Here's your online. chance to bring out that swanky sauce. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's I think too, where, where the value is for our product is not just because they're quality. I mean, we're a little biased. We love our stuff. It's quality ingredients. It's all the labels are clean. You can, our, our 10 year old, well now 11, Yep. year old can pronounce every ingredient on all of our products. Um, 
but it's also you can watch them live. You know exactly the time and the and the love and the energy that goes into these animals, and that's the milk that's going into all these products. And I think that's a unique, um, right? And a unique feature to our specific products is you can watch the babies be born. We're very educational. We try not to censor anything. We try not to sugarcoat anything. Life yeah. on the farm, you got to be able to take the bad with the good. Yep. You know, and and we've had some of our worst days on this farm recorded live for YouTube to see because we don't want people getting into having goats or any kind of animal and not realizing how hard it can really be some days. Right. Um, we've had our hay barn blow to, to pieces live um, as we're trying to save thousands of dollars worth of hay. We've had, you know, trouble complicated deliveries for our for one of our goats this past year and we lost one of the triplets live on youtube and you know our community is fantastic because it's unique in a way where they're here for us too oh yeah emotionally yes um but like i said you can see the time and the effort that goes into that one bottle of lotion that you're using so i think that's pretty unique plus from you said it earlier all the homesteaders were entrepreneurs from yeah. the entrepreneur side, the community was here the day I announced I got laid off during COVID, lost my day job, and was like, you know what? Now's the, time. now's the time to make this all full time. YouTube, you know, all the products, the yeah. website got a whole, we rebuilt the whole website in less than 30 days, launched two brand new products. So now this is our full time thing. And it's Hashtag full-time farmers. <laughs> hashtag full-time farmers, right. Yeah, we uh, got called fake farmers one time, so... Oh, we did, yeah, that was we, um, Yep. We, uh, I don't know why they called us fake farmers, but it stuck. And so now we constantly, like, when something goes wrong in the barn, we're like, that's because we fake farmers. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good shirt idea. I like that. Yeah. Just yeah, embrace that, yeah. it, right? The, yeah. The, yeah. I'm we shocked do. you got a negative comment on YouTube, but at the same time... Oh, yeah, oh, I aren't know. Aren't you just... Shocked. That never happened. Never happened. Uh, what would your advice be to those people uh, if they want to go down a similar path you guys did of starting the homestead, getting into some dairy animals, and maybe even running a bit of a side hustle with that? Uh, give them a little advice there's life after COVID. Where should they get started? Where does this, where did this, this journey start for them? I would say first, you got to figure out what you would do if you could do whatever you wanted, like whether money related, it has nothing to do with money, right? Like I didn't, about? what are you passionate about? I had people in my corporate job when I was making the barbecue sauce, the word got around, right? Big corporate, huge company. Hey, I heard you make barbecue sauce. Yeah. Does it make you any money? I'm like, that's not why I do it. I do it because when my cousin, my brother calls me and says, hey, Brian was so excited. He saw his last name on a bottle in the grocery store. Yeah. Like that legacy is why it was done, right? It was exciting. It was fun. Yeah, of course, make money is a great idea. But if you can find what you're passionate about, do that. Learn it, get passionate about it, and then figure out later how to turn it into something you can get yeah. paid for um, or paid to do right. without becoming QVC, right? Cause that's <laughs> gonna, you're going to, you're going to yeah. stress yourself out. If yeah. you're just trying to sell all day long, yeah. you're going to, you're going to, I sold my whole life after a while. You just yeah. not want to do that. We've always taught our kids, you know, I don't, I don't care if you grow up to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, all the, all the things that parents, you know, want their kids to be, 
um, I want you to find something that you're passionate about and do it because then you'll never work a day in your life. Right. It's, I don't come, I, I don't wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, I gotta go milk goats. I love what I do. Um, so if somebody, even if it's not homesteading, just find something that you're passionate about doing and research everything that you need to know to be successful in that because then you'll you'll succeed because you're doing what you're passionate about. Uh, for those people who are watching this later on, where can they find you guys? Uh, I do have links in the description already, so tell us a little bit about those who are watching live and then those who will see this in a week or so. Where can they find you? Where can they find your products? Go ahead, plug away. This is your QVC moment. This is our QVC <laughs> so we, moment. So we actually made it real simple. We turned it all into one website, which is simonsaysfarms.com, and it's spelled S-Y-M-A-N. And it you could also get there if you spell it wrong too, yeah. probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it. That's the only place you have to go. Once you go there, you'll find everything. If you want to check out their live goat cam, it's one of the coolest things on the internet. So. If you're watching on YouTube, you can just click on the video. If you're listening to the podcast, there'll be a link in the description below. Also a link to their website. If this interview, if you loved it, if you wished, man, I wish this was like twice as long and covered twice as much info, that wish can be granted. Our pioneer versions of our episodes are twice as long. This one is an hour and 20 minutes. Aaron and Liz dove deep into the topic of running the business side of things. That loophole. And then I become the owner of that product, right? I own the brand. I own the recipe. They also talked a lot about growing their YouTube channel and their community through YouTube and shared some advice there. Well, people ask us, what do you grow on your farm? And we, my answer is a community. Yeah. That's what I, and they go, what do you mean? Ooh, that's I go, good. I like that. I go, yeah. we I like farm that. on YouTube. Like They gave additional advice on buying goats and getting started with a goat herd. I know you're going to love that interview. If you're watching on YouTube, click right here. The box that pops up, you can become a pioneer for five bucks a month. Or if you're listening to the podcast, click the link in the description below and become a pioneer. You'll get instant access to the extended version of this episode and the entire library of all our episodes. And you can join us live for these interviews and ask questions of the guest.